0: found the pool cues
1: you're listening to wjmf radio the beat of bryant what is going on you guys welcome back to down to the wire i'm brian costa i'm tyler tucker and we've got a great episode in store for you, uh, Tyler. Welcome back to the show. First of all, um, glad to have you back. But um, we're going to be reviewing a lot of things today. We're going to be talking about the fall of the Minnesota Vikings um, against the New York Giants, uh, the future of Tom Brady as he had a massive, you know, loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, what's next for him? We're going to talk about the Jaguars' miracle comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then we're also actually going to fill a playoff bracket for the remaining teams from the divisional round all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, it's going to be a great episode, and I'm really excited for everything that's going to happen today. But again, Tyler, welcome back to the show. It's been a while, so I'm
0: glad to have you back on. How you doing, man? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, as always. It's always a pleasure on Down to the Wire. Yeah, man, I'm always glad to have you back. I always, you know, you're a
1: founding member of this podcast. You know, everything that you've done has been tremendous. Um, I really can't thank you enough for all that you've done. And I got you back on today because your favorite team, your favorite football team, the Minnesota Vikings, have fallen out of the playoffs yet again. This time, you know, similar to many of the ones before. Kirk Cousins, prime time, just seemed to not mesh well together. They follow the New York Giants in Wild Card Weekend. Um, you know, what are your initial thoughts to open up?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, that it, that one was tough. Uh, you know, it, finishing the season thirteen and four and going into the playoffs very helpful. I mean, a, a lot of the talk was Super Bowl run, not first round exit. So, yeah. Um, I know there was a lot of debate on whether or not the Vikings were fraudulent or not, pretty much all season, and. I wanted so badly to prove everyone wrong and just be like, no, we got a team finally. But unfortunately, just we were completely outplayed by the Giants in that game. Yeah, man, I'm going to say I I hate to say it to you, but I
1: thought the Vikings were going to be in this situation. I just I had my doubts in Kirk Cousins, and I just thought that it felt kind of like a fake win team. I thought that. You know, not a fake win team, but I thought that record seemed kind of fake. And I just, it reminded me a lot of the 2019 Patriots where, you know, you saw a lot of those teams, you know, they were rattling off some wins, but, you know, they were getting some luck to break their way. And, you know, you just didn't know what was going to happen. And, you know, I, I didn't know if the New York Giants were really going to be able to come in in there and do what they do, but my God, they were insane
0: yeah and i mean we i think you can credit our terrible defensive play as well for but i mean daniel jones had the game of his lifetime it was actually kind of impressive to watch as i was crying watching the game yeah
1: (laughs) oh man it was it was it was a rough one i mean like Like, again, Kirk Cousins didn't even, like, play bad up until, like, the end. Like, they were in it, like, and pretty much, like, there was no defense on either side for most of the game. It was just, like, pure offense. Daniel Jones really looked like Josh Allen out there on some plays. I think they ran him 17 times, which is the most they've ever run him in a game. Saquon Barkley turned back the clock and looked incredible. Um, You know, he had some rushing touchdowns of his own. And, you know, they really came together and this is the most I I think this Giants unit like they really look like they're firing on all cylinders. And, you know, I think they finally have the uh, the infamous boat picture uh, curse off their back at this point. This is their first win since their Super Bowl title back in 2011. And, you know, they they have a chance, I think, to really make some noise in these
0: playoffs. Yeah, and once again, doing it on the backs of role players and no name wide receivers. I mean, who the hell is Isaiah Hodgins? Where did he come from? But he's out there catching tuds on us all day. So, yeah. Did you actually see his ankle after the game? Like,
1: so he posted a photo of his ankle and it was black and blue just up the entire thing. And, you know, I guess some people were making fun of him for being a little slow on the field. And he ended up saying, no, don't you guys come at me for dogging it on the field. Like, I was hurt out there doing that. And the fact that he was still able to put up the performance that he did is incredible.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah.
1: And I mean, like the Giants, they have other good outside of Hodgins. They have some other quality receivers as well. You got Darius Slayton over there. And then you also have Richie James, who, you know, I think he's really got a chance to really break out as a receiver in this league. He if you get him, you know, right. And you start targeting him and put him in a good system. I think that he could really be one of the premier receivers in this league.
0: Yeah, he he looked good. And that that whole core looked good against us. And, uh, you know, maybe another credit to how bad the Vikings secondary is. But, you know, shout out to the Giants. They played really well.
1: Yeah. Now, Tyler, obviously, um, I got to ask. I got to wonder, you know, Kirk again in primetime just does not match up to what he is when the sun is in the sky and i have to really i'm just wondering what do you as a vikings fan want to see this team do next do you want them to see kirk cousins give it one more year he's technically under contract through 2023 um do you want to see them run it back with kirk or do you want to potentially go after something else now
0: yeah i mean i think he, you're kind of stuck with kirk right now i think mm-hmm. we're at least going to see another year of kirk cousins on the vikings because you know it's still first year head coach they're building into the system um, I think really now what's going to happen is retooling of the defense and, you know, getting a new coordinator and getting new players on that side of the ball. They're going to try to fix that and then see, OK, if we can't get it done, now we have the quarterback conversation. I think in the meantime, though, they will be stacking up on quarterback talent in the draft, looking to see maybe who's going to be next. I think that their eyes will be a little more forward set, but. Unfortunately for now, short term picture, I think Kirk Cousins is here to stay. So you so you think that even when
1: they decide to eventually move on from Kirk Cousins, they're going to go through the draft and try to build a guy. They're not going to go into free
0: agency. I think so. I I think so. Because there's not really that many guys available that you can get every year, you know? Yeah. Well, that was one of the
1: potential things I wanted to bring up to you is the fact that you know, as of right now, Lamar Jackson is not currently signed under a contract. And, you know, would do you think that the Vikings could potentially entertain an offer with someone like him? I know that they, you know, when Kirk Cousins was a free agent, they gave him a pretty hefty contract and made him the highest paid quarterback in the league. Do you think they do something like that for Jackson?
0: Yeah, I mean, a player of his talent, you got to at least take a look at him, take a bite at him. Um, I think he will end up going to greener pastures because I think there's places that have more money to offer him and better situations to offer to him than us. Um yeah, that would be incredible if we could get him, but I just i I don't think he uh, will make it to our team fair enough. now,
1: uh in terms of like you talked about restacking in terms of coordinators and trying to build some talent. I mean, you know, on, on the receiving end, you guys are pretty much set. You have one of, you have one of, if not the best receiver in the game and Justin Jefferson, you really did a great job adding a tight end when, you know, you acquired TJ Hawkinson obviously um, was five yard. He needs to run a deeper route than a three yard out route. Um, But, you know, that's no fault of his own. And then, you know, you have a good run game with Dalvin cook in that backfield. So, In terms of really stacking up offensively or even defensively, what are some key positions you want this team
0: to target? Yeah, so definitely the offensive line that's that's always plaguing us that that needs to Mm -hmm. once again be looked at and retooled. Um I like you said, wide receiver and tight end, I think we're fine. TJ Hawkinson ended up being incredible this season. And you know, Justin Jefferson is gonna carry this wide receiving core no matter who's behind him. I think there's uh I think it's pretty uh, uh almost a fact at this point that Adam Thielen is one foot out the door. Um, he's he's looking onward, going somewhere else. Um, but I don't I don't think we'll miss him too much. I think uh, KJ Osborne will step up into his role, and then we'll be able to find another slot guy that isn't named Jalen Rigor. <laughs> um, yeah, and then on the defensive side, I think just corners getting corners in the draft and just getting you know more young hungry guys and uh I think we need to find um a guy that Eric Kendricks can pass the torch to too because I mean if you look at a lot of the Giants uh receivers that were open d- during that game it was because they were burning Eric Kendricks in coverage and you know it's no fault you know an older middle linebacker really shouldn't be guarding these wide receivers one-on-one in the middle of the field but You know, he has lost a step. He's a vet now. And, you know, him, Pat Pete, Harrison Smith, all aging vets that have lost a step that, you know, either need some help, some split uh, snaps with young guys that we need to start filtering in and building a younger, faster, hungrier defense.
1: Yeah, I think that you make a good point Um, when you mentioned drafting some O-linemen. I mean, there is the old adage that, you know, you're never going to get flack for for drafting an offensive lineman in the first round. I mean, you know, unless that, unless the guy is a complete no-name and, you know, you had a situation like the Patriots where they took Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. And, you know, even doing something like that, there's always the idea that, you know what, they're really trying to build the foundation of this team, the O-line and you know that's where the game is won at the you know the NFL it's one in the trenches that's how football games are won so um i think i don't really know too much about the you know linemen prospects coming out of the draft but you know say you could get a really solid guy out of georgia or alabama you know one of those big guys um you know really could do you well going forward um now tyler i know you know m- my patriots have been out of it since the uh end of the regular season and now your vikings are joining me on the sideline i got to wonder who are you rooting for uh, for the remainder of the playoffs?
0: Oh, man, that is such a tough question, but I I ride with the Bengals hard. I love Joey Burrow. I mm-hmm. Ever since watching him in 2019 at LSU, I, I really like him. I, I like his swag. I like his team, and that man deserves a Super Bowl. And then on top of it, too, if I have to throw in another, I love the Jags and Trevor Lawrence, too. I'm really excited to see what they can do. Obviously, they're going against the evil empire. We'll see what happens, but he's, he's a young buck and he'll do some damage out there. Yeah.
1: I mean, those are some great picks, Tyler, and I would probably go with any of those, but I gotta say, there is one team that I'm really going for Uh... as these playoffs move on. And you know what? I really was a fan of the giants in that game. And, uh, I think I'm going to rock with New York the rest of the way.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. That that hurts, but <laughs> I can respect it.
1: And uh, like the main reason I, I, I'm, I'm going to probably rock with New York. My dad was a Giants fan growing up. He grew up in Long Island and I've always said, if the Pats are out of it and the Giants are in it, I'm going to root for the Giants. I like so, it. So that's that, that's the reason behind that. But in all seriousness, i like that. I like your picks as well. Um, You know, we'll obviously, uh, you know, talk about the future of those guys later on in the episode, but um, you know, the next topic I wanted to bring up with you is uh, you know, a guy that, you know, whether you're a Vikings fan, a a Giants fan, you know, and sometimes Giants fans will give him some flack, but really a fan of, you know, mainly any team in the league, you know, someone with the career achievements of Tom Brady is always going to be uh respected and, you know, you know, appreciated by many NFL fans around the league. Some not some, but maybe not some, but a lot of them. Um, and it makes me wonder, you know Tom Brady the Bucks they faced off against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football uh wild card weekend and just took an absolute shellacking from Dak Prescott and the boys 31 to 14 loss and really that looks like a generous score at the end of the day cuz the Cowboys were up 24 to nothing at one point really just were running away with the thing from the very start and you know Tom Brady had close to 70 passes in this game. I mean, he was trying to do anything they could. They just, Tampa Bay just did not have a run game this year, and it was just absolutely atrocious. And I I got to wonder, what do you think the, what do you think the GOAT, you know, at 46 46 years of age in August, what do you think Tom Brady's going to do after this season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think retirement is in the cards for him still. I think he, I, I think he'll at least try to squeeze out one or two more years. Um, In my opinion, I see him, unless Sean Payton goes to the Chargers, I see him going wherever Sean Payton goes, and I think that might be the Raiders. I think they end up together on the Raiders and maybe try to turn that team around if they could convince Devontae Adams to stay. You
1: know, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't think of Sean Payton influencing Tom Brady's location, but I will say I also was going to say he would probably go to the Las Vegas Raiders because, I mean is all there for him. And mainly I didn't even need Sean Payton to be there. All I needed was Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady to team up with some potential superstars again. And that's all I need. I agree with you. Tom Brady is the definition of a competitor. He's never going to back down from a fight. And if you think that he's going to walk away from a game like that and say, yeah, I'm done with pro football. You're insane. Like he's not going to quit off that. And, he is going to, if he was to go to the Las Vegas Raiders, they'd have a tremendous, they'd have tremendous talent. And frankly, I think could be more talented than the bucks. When he arrived there, you're going to have Devonte Adams. Like you said, at that wide receiver spot, you're going to have Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. And then you're also going to have Hunter Renfro as your slot receiver, which could rival some of the best guys like, like Wes Welker and Edelman. If Brady could really train with them. So, um, I think that's probably going to be the best location for him if he could go somewhere in free agency. I know there were talks about him potentially returning to New England. I think those are all fraudulent. I don't think he's going back there. Um, Would I love it? Would it be a cool storybook ending? Sure. But I don't think he wants to do it. And frankly, I don't know if that's the direction the Patriots really even want to go in.
0: No, I don't think so. I think honestly, you got to ride the wave with Mac for a little bit longer and just see what you can get out of him. I, cause he, he looks impressive at times and I think he's held back by scheme. So.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know, the reason I say the Raiders are probably the best fit and not him returning to Tampa, you know, I could see him potentially going back to Tampa Bay, but I just look at that team now. And I think that they're just broken. Like I really yeah. do like, like, They had no run game this year and not that Tom Brady's needs to be reliant on a run game. But when you have basically the worst run game in the league, it's not going to help a 46 year old quarterback. I mean, the man's a damn near senior citizen at this point. Um, You know, it's like you can't be doing that to that guy out there. Um, he needs to have at least some other option. Like he's not Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, where he can use his athleticism to make plays in the backfield, turn broken plays into positive yardage. He needs something that he can at least rely on with a good run game. And if you were to put him out in Vegas with Josh Jacobs and the crew, he's going to get that. And they, I really think could turn that team around.
0: Yeah. Josh Jacobs is one of the premier running backs in the league. And I think he's going to even take a bigger step up next year. So that would be. A lot of weapons there for Tom Brady at his disposal. That would be a scary team with him leading it. Yeah.
1: I mean, Tyler, it's crazy the fact that, you know, just not even a year ago, we had a whole special with six people on talking about Tom Brady hanging it up. Like we were talking, we were, you know, going through like the scrapbook about like all the great memories of Tom Brady. And now, and now it's just like, no, he's not going to retire now. He's going to be in the league for three, four, five more years. Like he's not done yet. And I mean, it's just it's just insane. I mean, this man has gone through so much. He's lost his family. He's lost basically everything at this point. And he's just saying, you know what? Football is the only thing I know how to do. And I'm just going to go for it.
0: Yeah, it's truly incredible. The, the the real Mamba mentality he has in him, the drive that keeps him going. It's He's an ultra competitor.
1: Yeah. Now, obviously... You know, I, you know, there were the rumors of him going back to New England and, you know, different people have shot that down. He hasn't directly done it, but other guys like Rob Gronkowski have gone on podcasts and talked about, you know, him, you know, not wanting to really go back there. And he ended up saying, that's not Tom's opinion, but that's just my observation of it. Um, You think that the patch should ride the wave with Mac? Um, What, do, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right decision. Like, really? Like, do you think that they should really do that?
0: yeah I mean, i i I haven't seen Mac. I, I don't know. i I feel like he's done as good as he can with the tools at his disposal. I think he's he's played well enough to where, you know, they're still getting wins. Obviously, you know, you're not making the playoffs every year, but he he did have a good season where you guys did make the playoffs. and I think he's right now currently just held back by a swirl of you know, coaching blame games and issues and, you know, too much of a reliance on 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 the run game. but I, I think he has some talent. and I, I think he should be trusted for a little bit longer,
1: yeah. I mean, i'm I'm going to give him flack for this year. I'm going to say that, you know, he was kind of cursed with just um just with having to deal with a Matt Patricia led offense, which, should not be a sentence that is uttered um, the fact that, you know, a guy who's tri- been a traditional defensive coach his entire life, getting that offensive job, it shouldn't have never happened. And, you know, many of us rightly so said it was not going to be the right decision from the start. Um, you know, the Pats obviously are making a lot of moves right now in this, in this off season, they've basically said like, all right, we're going to do X, Y, and Z when it comes to the coaching staff. Um, Patricia has since um, been not necessarily fired, but, They've, they've said he will not be the offensive play caller in 2023, so um, good enough for me. And then the other thing, too, that they've done is they've brought back Gerard Mayo to the coaching staff. Mayo was obviously rumored to be going to you know other teams, like they were going to be interviewing him for head coaching positions. The fact that we were able to lock him in at this point, I think that Gerard Mayo is going to be the next head coach of the New England Patriots. I think that, that them making that move is very similar to what they did with Josh McDaniels and the deal that got him out of Indianapolis. Because when they made that deal, I think Robert Kraft told Josh McDaniels, hey, Bill Belichick's going to go for this type of record right here, and you're going to be the next head coach once he's done. Obviously, that didn't happen. McDaniels has now gone to the Raiders. And I think what Kraft is telling Gerard Mayo potentially is, hey, Bill Belichick is trying to break Don Shula's record. He's maybe two, three seasons away from that. Wait it out here, and you'll be the next coach of the greatest franchise in all of pro football. I think that's the pitch he made to him. It's a tough
0: offer to pass up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that that's at least what I think he's going to end up doing. And I don't know. Like, I think that Gerard Mayo is enough of, you know, from the Belichick coaching tree to where he trusts him to probably take over the reins. But I think he's also more of a um, Mike Vrabel type where he kind of is of his own mind, like he's, you know, a former player. He doesn't he's not like a Belichick underling, like a McDaniels, like a Bill O'Brien, like uh, Matt Patricia, for example, where they're just going to be yes men for whatever he does. I think that, you know, he's enough of an independent mind to where he can make his own decisions and, you know, run a football team the way he wants to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's at least what I think of that. But, um, you know, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting move. Um, you know, I uh it, it's it's cool that, you know, if that is the case and they're kinda he gets to learn more under Belichick and kinda expand his role and you know, allowing Belichick to chase that record too. Um we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. But that that's definitely an interesting scenario right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, do I want Belichick to break the to break Shula's record? Sure. I would love to see him him have that because that would, I think, just further cement his legacy as the greatest coach in NFL history. But what I don't want to see happen is the passers hold on to Belichick and, you know, have him just like really struggle to get that record and having uh, and having that, you know, record of two to three seasons, potentially, you know, you know, that uh, potential track of winning of getting that record in two to three seasons turning it into him getting it in like three to four, five to six, not five to six, because he's going to get it before that. But I don't want it to become like this really dragged out thing to where the Pats are, you know, terrible. And they're just like really just trying to milk every game out of him and trying to get anything they can. If like he's not able to get it towards the end and, you know, he's completely lost his fastball and like they're done. I would much rather see them just move on, get Gerard Mayo in there, get a fresh face in there and
0: just start, you know, and just start anew. Yeah, no sense of beating that dead horse.
1: Yeah. That, that, that's my fear as to what could happen. But um, you know, I I you know, I don't really know what's gonna happen from there. So we're just gonna have to wait and see. Um, but Tyler, I want to move on to the next topic now on on the show. And uh, you know, as a Pats fan, I got the legacy I got the uh, not the legacy, the luxury of seeing the New England Patriots come back from a twenty point come um, back from a twenty-five point deficit against the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl fifty one. Um, you know, led by Tom Brady. And it was an incredible sight to see this Saturday. We got to see, you know, an even larger deficit get overcome. And it was the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Los Angeles chargers and, you know, coming back down, coming back from being down 27 points. And I just got to say, you can take the chargers out of San Diego, but you cannot take San Diego out of the chargers. It really, so true. it's terrible. I mean, like, how do you let that happen? I mean, this yeah. is this is the definition of Charger football right here, guys. Like, I mean, this is embarrassing. I mean, you know, the Chargers. I remember in 2010 had the number one ranked offense, the number one ranked defense, and missed the playoffs. Somehow they managed to top that with this horrendous at with this horrendous thing. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had four picks in the first half. How do you do that? <laughs>
0: absolute choke job that's that's really how you do it and i i would know about fantastic choke jobs being a vikings fan um but honestly it, as much as it was the chargers choking it was also trevor lawrence absolutely stepping up to the plate and you know getting every one of those picks back in the second half and going and all right like it's time we got to get these points back
1: yeah no i gotta agree with you because I mean, I don't know how he did it, because if you I don't know if you've ever seen a Trevor Lawrence uh, pregame speech, there were some going around uh, where he was just saying, hey, come on, guys, like we can just like really kick their ass. Like, let's let's go. And like, th- like, that's all he says. And they would go out and they'd like kill a team. And I mean, credit to him. I mean, you know, if if many quarterbacks throwing four picks in the first half, they would just be trying to do damage control from then on out and would play the game very carefully that wasn't how Trevor Lawrence played that game. He was really trying to, you know, push, to, push the ball down in field. He had that great ball to Christian Kirk and other guys and other guys further further along in the game. And, you know, credit to them. I mean, like, like as much of a Chargers choke job as this was, you know, the Jaguars did stick true to their guns. And, you know, Doug Peterson even said at halftime, hey, like, I think we can still be in this game. And, you know, we have a chance to win this. He said that in his at his halftime interview. So, you know, they believed in their ability to come back from this and credit to them
0: yeah and uh, another thing too we you need to attribute it to is the absolute set that doug peterson has on him because there was one play i think it was fourth and one yeah and he called this just like i think there was three backs and he had like this end around sweep that took it outside rather rather than you know you got trevor lawrence the dude's huge he could just jump right over the line but he takes it around and he ended up getting like 36 yards out of it. And that was like the game changing play. So yeah. his play calling, it was incredible during that. Yeah.
1: And I mean, listen, as a Pats fan, I've always kind of had it out for Doug Peterson because of what he did to us in Super Bowl 52, but the man is a good coach. And I mean, he is really good at what he does. You know, he took a year off in the league last year. He comes back to the Jaguars and, you know, I ended up saying like, you know, Doug Peterson's a quality coach, but, um, the Jaguars have always been a struggle. Like no matter who goes down there, it just seems like that franchise has been cursed for whoever's the coach of that team. And, you know, he was able to really unlock something with these guys in the past couple of weeks. I mean, you know, credit to them for what they've been able to do. Um, I do just want to say quickly about the chargers. Um, you know, when Trevor Lawrence was throwing all those first half picks, he, uh, <laughs> you know, three of them were to Asante Samuel. And I got to say, When I heard Al Michaels, who was back on NBC, which was a very, which was really nice to hear, actually kind of like was a nice little throwback um, to hear Al Michaels say picked off by Asante Samuel. I got transported back to like 2006, man. I felt like I was a kid again. Watch like like not even watching the Patriots, but just being in the other room, like playing with like action figures or something and then hearing just like the TV in the background, just like say just hear that hearing that name. The fact that that guy's in the league is crazy.
0: Yeah. And for Al Michaels to call his fathers and then his sons too, just, you know, it shows his longevity too. It's incredible. Uh, Listen, I got to say this,
1: like I'll, I'll give Al Michaels the credit for sticking around as long as he has, but he's been catching a lot of flack recently for his call of that game, at least towards the end where, you know, you have a, you know, again, one of the largest comebacks in, you know, in playoff history for a football team, and I, we're, to have a very unenthusiastic end of game field goal call, you know, it's caught it's made a lot of people mad with the end of with the end of that game.
0: Yeah, rightfully so. Cause I mean, you got a lot of guys that would throw a lot of energy into that booth, you know. Even a, a Pat McAfee type, you know, oh someone God. who's an outsider like that. I mean, you wouldn't he wouldn't shut up at the end of that game if, if, yeah. if, if he was in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and listen, Al Michaels has, has seen uh, some greatness in his time in the booth. So maybe he's just not phased by it anymore. I mean, he saw the miracle on ice comeback back um, against the Russians in 1980 at Lake Placid. So he's seen a lot of great. Uh, he's seen a lot of great moments across all sports, really, by this point. But, um, you know, I think that he's probably just still in a coma from all those terrible Amazon Prime games he had to call this year. Because, listen, he probably got a bag from them, but. Man, that's got to be like some of those games, man. I don't blame him for just wanting to check out. So, um, you know, I, 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 I can understand to where you know maybe he's not going to be as energetic as he once was, but you know, man, you got to have a little something more there.
0: I totally agree. Yeah,
1: and I, I, the other, th- the only real defense I can give for him outside of that too, is that. I guess there was like a flag on the play, but it was on the defense. So he might've just been, he might've seen the flag get thrown and just like gave no effort on the call. Cause he was like, Oh, like this play is going to get called back. But like, uh, like there was something about that. And it didn't really bother me at first, because I think when you're seeing a lot of plays like that, especially from the winning side, you know, think about this, like as a football fan, I don't know if you, like, unless the guy's like screaming his ass off and is like going crazy, like, I don't. There are some calls where I just remember the reaction of everyone in the room around me to what was going on the TV rather than the announcer himself. Like, when James White dove into the end zone at the end of Super Bowl 51 to win it for the Pats, I don't remember Joe Buck saying a thing on the TV. I just remember, you know, me, my brother, my dad jumping around screaming. Like, that's all I remember. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, so, like, you know, having a good game winning call is great and it's you know etching your it's etching your name in history but it does only get you
0: so far for sure i will say though that to a counterpoint you know one i can remember where the, <laughs> where the uh the announcer made a clear difference was uh sideline touchdown you know that was that was pretty incredible watching i had, a feeling. <laughs> I had know, a feeling i had a feeling remembers that, that but yeah
1: yeah i mean that was that was as good as it could really get i mean you know, again, like when they are good, you know, they're, you know, they're almost moments in history. Like it's almost like a, it's almost like a, it's literally almost like a, you know, a chapter of like a chapter of like um a history book when you see something like that happen. So, um, you know, I mean, like it, it can make or break a game and a call. So, um, you know, a lot of different things to take away there, but the Jags now are going to be heading to Kansas city. And I got to say Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday and Pat Mahomes has never failed to make the AFC championship game in his time as a starter. One of those records is going to be broken this weekend. What? Do you, which one are you rolling with, Tyler?
0: Wow, that is so tough. That is so tough. Because um,
1: Trevor Lawrence only lost twice in his career at Michigan, but those were both in the playoffs, and neither of those were on a Saturday.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think... As good as Trevor Lawrence and the Jags are this year, you know, it's it's not their time yet. It's still it's still Mahomes' kingdom. And I think uh I think Casey you'll be moving on to the AFC championship. Yeah.
1: I mean that's that's probably a good point. Um I think that the Jags you know, they're going to have a better showing, I think, than they did against the at least a better start than they did rather against the Chargers. I don't think we're going we're gonna to see Trevor Lawrence throw four first half picks again. I don't think, you know, we're going to see nearly as many mistakes as we did with that. So I think that we're definitely going to see a better showing from them. But Tyler, I want to at this point transition over to our final topic of the day, which is going to involve us actually bracketing off um, in a bracket style, kind of going through these final playoff games and predicting who is going to come out the championship. So I'm going to pull up a little bracket we have right here. Um, Can you see it, Tyler? Yep, I got it. All right, so this is a bracket of all the remaining teams in the league. Um, Yeah, so can you see the bottom teams as well? Yep. Okay, so uh, you ended up saying that you have the Chiefs currently beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. Yep. So you have them moving on to the AFC championship game. Um, The next game out of the AFC I want to touch on with you is the Bengals and Bills game. Obviously, it's the first time they'll be meeting since Damari Hamlin's uh, very scary injury back um, in, you know, back in weeks, back in week 17. Um, You know, that was going to be a really, you know, when that game happened in the regular season, there was a lot of things riding on it at that point. Now these teams facing off um at Orchard Park, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, you know, they're going to be at the top of their game. Who do you see coming out of there?
0: I like the Bengals. I think the Bills are beatable right now, especially after that game they played in Miami, you know, they they didn't look their absolute best. They didn't look, you know, untouchable. I think mm-hmm. the Bengals can pull it off.
1: Yeah. I also like the Bengals in that game. I think that, you know, I think that just in terms of a team, I think that they have a better I think they're, you know, deeper than the Bills are. I think they have a better defense than the Bills and just offensively I think that they'll be able to, you know, go at the Bills much better um, than Buffalo can. You know, credit to Josh Allen and what they've been able to do this season. Um, you know, it'd be not, I would like to root for, you know, the miracle of them, you know, coming out and, you know, playing for DeMar and really, you know, having a miracle run to the Super Bowl, but I just don't see it on I just don't see it this weekend. I see the Bengals coming out on top in that game. Um, to take it over to the NFC side, Tyler, I want to start with, I want to start in that top corner with another, with another divisional matchup. We got giants Eagles. Um, as of right now, Jalen hurts is not on the Eagles injury report. So he could potentially be, you know, playing in that divisional round game. If so, it's a complete game changer for the Eagles. You know, Hurts was, you know, a borderline MVP candidate at one point this season, um, And, you know, he's going to really, if he's at full strength and, you know, he's able to get back into gear with this Eagles team, they're not to be messed with, but the Giants also with the, with the performance they showed against your Vikings
0: also are not, also shouldn't be questioned either. Who do you got? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think I'm going to ride the hot hand. I I like the Giants in this, you know, I, I, the Eagles had an incredible season and they looked unbeatable for a long time, but. I think they're pretty beat up at this point. And even if Hertz isn't on the injury report, I think he'll still not one hundred percent be what he was, you know, peak season form. So yeah, I, I like the Giants by a slight edge, yeah. That's my thoughts
1: on them, too. i i've I've also been in favor of the Giants this year, as you can now see. Um, but yeah, I, I like the giants and, you know, similar to my fears with the Vikings. I think that the Eagles right now are a paper tiger. I really do. I think that, you know, they have great weapons and I think that they were able to, you know, have an incredible run during the regular season. But, you know, now with playoff football, the, you know, the, you know, guys are going to be hitting harder. The lights are brighter. And I just think the giants are more made for this type of, uh, for this type of scenario. So I also have the giants moving on. Um, in the NFC, you know, this this bracket was made before the uh finale of the Bucs and Cowboys game. Obviously, we now have the Cowboys um facing off against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh it's a playoff matchup that's you know, been you know, throughout NFL history. We've seen some great games come out of that, like Dwight Clark's catch um from Joe Montana and some many others. So,
0: you know, who do you have coming out of that game? Dak Prescott right. versus Brock Purdy? I think it's the Niners, no question. I, they just are too hot, too strong, too many weapons right now. And and Brock Purdy looks really good. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I, I, I hate the fact that we're agreeing so much. I also have the <laughs> Niners in this. But I do think that, I will say this for Dak Prescott, I think he had his best game as an NFL quarterback on you know on that wild card game because he he showed out, you know, the rushing touchdown, the four passing touchdowns. You know, that's the best I think we've ever seen Dak Prescott, you know, in a high stakes scenario. He balled out in that game. So I do want to give him credit for that. So I think that Brock Purdy and that team is also going to be too much for them to handle because I think that, you know, their defense is just way too elite. They're somehow better than that 2019 defense. But, um, you know, I also have the San Francisco 49ers moving on. And with that, Tyler, we'd have a Chiefs-Bangles AFC Championship rematch. I got the Bengals moving on to the Super Bowl. I think that, you know, Joe Burrow has Pat Mahomes' number, and as great as the Chiefs are, I think the Bengals are just going to give them their money. And I think that, you know, I think, you know, the fact that, you know, Burrow has been able to go into Arrowhead before and withstand all that's happened there, I think they can run it back.
0: Yeah, I I, ha- I have to agree with you again. I, I like the Bengals here. I, I think they're poised and ready for a deep run. Mm-hmm.
1: And then out of the NFC, Tyler, I want to know who do you have, you know, who do you have going to the Super Bowl? Do you do you do you like the Brock Purdy miracle run?
0: The Niners aren't aren't gonna be stopped. I, I, I think they I think they take it all the way. Yeah.
1: Now, Tyler, this is where I differ from you. I got the Giants going in. And this wow. is and here's why. I think that if the Giants can play similar to how they did against the Vikings, I think that if they were able to run Daniel Jones the way they did with Josh, like like in that Josh Allen type set and utilize him like that, I think that they could potentially take on the Niners and potentially upset them. You know, I think Brock Purdy right now is in a good situation. I think that, you know, for his sake, he's probably naive to what's actually going on around the league. I don't think he realizes the gravity of what's currently happening because, you know, he's kind of just young, like he doesn't really. You know, he probably doesn't realize, oh, shoot, I'm playing for a Super Bowl title right now. Like he may be he may he might he might understand what he's playing for. But, you know, these guys that have been the league nine, 10, 11 years, they realize, you know, probably the rarity of, you know, being able to get to a Super Bowl, you know, more than he does. So I think that I think the Giants could capitalize on that and move on to the Super Bowl. So, Tyler, you have a Niners Bengals Super Bowl matchup. I have the Giants in the Bengals. Who do you have coming up? Who, who do you have coming out on
0: top? Once again, another super tough call, but I, I think the the Bengals finally get theirs. I, I really like the Bengals this year. Yeah. Tyler, I gotta
1: lie. This was my mat this was my uh this was my uh bracket matchup. I also have the Bengals coming out on top. And I have the for the tiebreaker, that's typically how many points you think are gonna be totaled in that game. I think I said uh I forget the exact score total I came up with, but I had about 55 points being the uh, total amount of points scored in that game. So um, I think that, you know, if the giants were to get there, they could potentially have like one of those miracle runs, but I think the Bengals would just be, you know, a roadblock for them. They would just really take care of business against them. But I could also see the 49ers continuing their run. If Brock Purdy can, you know, continue his dominance. Cause he's been incredible for this team. I think they could really, uh, I think they could really go far.
0: Yeah. that They have a scary team and it's, it's crazy that their offense is as stacked as, as it is. And, you know, we're barely talking about the defense, but it's the number one in the league and they're, they're just as unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, they are, they're incredible this year. And the fact that somehow this 49ers offense has been able to be better with Brock Purdy as their quarterback, than Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance is incredible. I mean, You know, from going as the last guy selected in the draft to, you know, the, you know, to the number one quarterback on, you know, potentially the best team out of the NFC this year, it's an incredible story. I mean, it's the things that they write movies about and, you know, credit to Purdy because, you know, it's not just like, you know, he's making the best of a situation he's a damn talent he's a damn good talented quarterback I mean he's able to make plays for himself he had that one touchdown I think to his uh Elijah Mitchell the pockets collapsing around him steps up finds him on the right side and you know was able to get an easy six so um credit to him for what they were able to do he
0: played incredibly against the Seahawks
1: yeah I mean let me stop this share real quick um yeah he played incredible and I mean you know I, it was a great story for Geno Smith, but the 49ers were just too much for him to handle in that game. And, you know, it sucks to see, uh, sucks to see the end of that now, um, to kind of backtrack a little bit, the the Niners will be taking on the Cowboys this weekend. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be potentially be in a bit of trouble after, uh, after the scene that we saw on Monday night, they were firing on all cylinders, taking care of the bucks pretty much in every facet of the game Except on special teams where their kicker, who was actually my fantasy kicker this year, Brett Maher missed four extra points in a row. And like at a certain point, you just start you just start to feel bad for a guy. Like it was it got really bad. Like you missed one extra point at this point in the league, it's pretty routine, not gonna lie. But as soon as that second one went through, I was like, you know even on the second one, I think you can almost kind of like make fun of it a little bit. It's like, Oh, like ha, ah, like the the Cowboys are like having their are kind of, you know, struggling right now. But once you get to like three, four missed kicks, it's like this thing's like getting bad and you really start to kind of sympathize for the guy.
0: Yeah. It's like watching a car accident. At some point you just can't look away.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know Tyler, how familiar you are with the yips, but it's something that you see a lot in baseball players. Um, one of the most famous cases of it is with uh, Ricky and who was a pitcher for the angels back in the early two thousands was a rookie of the year candidate at one point. And, you know, he ended up saying I threw one pitch and, you know, it was just one of those traditional wild pitches gets away from the guy sailed to the backstop. And after that, couldn't really never find the strike zone ever again. It was so bad. In fact, he had to go down to the minors and learn to become an outfielder. So, um, you know, it's something that can happen to a lot of athletes and, there's really no explanation for it but uh you know have have you ever experienced uh you know the yips in like golf or anything like that in,
0: in your time yeah that's exactly what i was going to go to uh, i think it, it's you know kicking in in football it's it's a, such a mental thing and i think it compares so well to golf cuz pretty much everything it's it's all mental and yeah i think i think any anyone who's played golf for a long period of time has gone through a maybe a different set of yips you know like with putting I've lost my feel I have, I have stone hands I don't know where where the ball's going anymore you know with your driver it's you're slicing it every time I I think we've all been there um nothing uh nothing career ending yet but I've I've had my moments for sure yeah
1: Tyler Frankly, I almost wish I could have the yips in golf, but I'm just not good enough at golf yet to even experience the yips. So uh, that that's my issue with that. But uh, I have experienced it in one thing before, and I will say it hasn't really ever been baseball. I've had certain things where, you know, I'm just struggling at the plate. I'm trying to, you know, get into the right stance, but none of them are as memorable for me as something that happened to me back in high school track. I was, you know, I, you know, as a sprinter, I you know, was able to always get out of the blocks fine. But I also, you know, when I wasn't sprinting, I also competed as a shot put thrower kind of just for fun. It was just like, you know, when you're a sprinter, you're running for, you know, I ran the 50 meter dash and I ran the four by two. So for a total amount of exercise for the night, I was running 30 seconds. And like, you know, you get bored as an athlete and and it's like, all right, like I don't want to just run for 30 seconds and be here for three hours. So I decided, all right, I'm going to pick up shot put. I'm going to learn to do this and, you know, just have some fun with it. And I remember I'm I'm not I'm just like chilling out at practice. And, you know, when you're throwing a shot put, at least in one form, you kind of get down to this crouch and you kind of have to like do this kick out and then like turn and throw and do what you got to do. And it takes like, you know, you have to kind of get down there and be balanced in, you know, it's all about timing and different things like that. And I remember I'm at practice, I'm down in my crouch and I'm just like going, all right, one, two. And right before I could go to that third kick out where I decide to, you know, turn and throw and throw the uh, shot football, you know, someone on the team just like came up to me and, and just like, I guess, like surprised me or, or I ended up saying like, Hey, Brian. And like, all of a sudden I kind of just like lost my balance. I stepped out and I was like, Oh shoot. Like, Hey, you scared me like all good. And, you know, I got back down and I just could not find my balance. And for, I swear, like a month, I was just struggling to get back to where I was. And it's a frustrating thing because, you know, you know, because what's frustrating about is that, you know, you have the athletic ability and that, you know, the ability to succeed, but your mind is just not letting
0: you get there. It's a tough thing battling your own head. It's 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 like a self-made prison, but it's 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 one of the hardest things.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there again, there's really no science behind it, but um you know some guys have talked about it um you know another famous case of the yips came uh my dad likes to talk about this but it was a uh, former new york mets catcher mackie sasser he had a case of the yips to where he could not throw the ball back to the pitcher but he was able to gun out a runner at second base no problem because it wasn't something he had to think about he would get the ball and just absolutely gu- gun a guy out but just the casual throwing the ball back to the pitcher he had to tap his glove one, two five times before he could even muster up the courage to get it back out there. Cause he didn't want to overthrow the guy. And oh. yeah, it, it it's crazy. And I think that he ended up saying that, you know, his reason for, for having it was that he actually used to be a quarterback in high school. And I guess that whenever he would pump the ball into his glove, it remind, it would remind him of, you know, being a quarterback going to like pump the ball and then like taking a sack. So like it would trigger I guess it like triggered something in his mind and would get them all out of whack so you know something it could be like some not like a ptsd thing but just like some sort of you know thing in the recesses your mind and it's crazy man
0: yeah it's it's crazy stuff and people tend to forget how besides the physical aspect of sports you know the mental side is such a big part of it and you know you got to train your mind just as much as you train your body yeah
1: i mean that that is the craziest part of it and you know, credit to these guys, the, you know, these athletes, like the fact that, you know, they're not just, you know, great physically. They're also really strong mentally. And, you know, for Brett Maher, I hope that he can overcome this, come back out. Um, You know, I don't remember when they're playing Saturday or Sunday, but whenever they play this weekend, um, you know, I, I, I wish him success in being able, being able to go out there and compete. The Cowboys said that we're not going to cut him um even though like some guys like skip bayless obviously they were saying like oh like you need to move on now once a kicker goes south like they never come back so um i wish him luck i hope that he can figure it out but we'll have to wait and see so uh tyler i hate to do it to you but now we are officially down to the wire um we're gonna wrap up what we we talked about in this episode and then send all you beautiful people on your way uh tyler thank you so much for coming back on i appreciate you uh given us an immemorium to your football team i'm sorry again i had to do this to you but it was uh it was the perfect opportunity
0: it's all good it's all love on down to the wire yeah
1: now obviously we talked about kirk cousins the minnesota vikings um really just you know having no answer against the uh against the new york giants in the end you know put up a good fight but you know it just came up like five yards short and you know it was unfortunate um, after that, we talked about the future of Tom Brady after his defeat, uh, against the, against the, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Will this be the end of him? Tyler and I do not think so. Um, after that, we talked about the Jaguars miracle comeback against the Los Angeles chargers down 27 points. And we finished things off today, talking about, uh, the remaining teams in the league, filling out a playoff bracket and giving our scenarios for who we have going to the Super Bowl and winning it all this year. Um, all in all it was a great time. Um, if you guys want to follow us on, you know, streaming services, anything we're available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, you know, all that stuff we're available on YouTube. And then, you know, if you want to follow us for any updates, we're on Instagram at down dot to the wire. So give us a follow on there. If you want to have any updates or just know when the next show is going to be out, we'll also post some little clips here and there from the show, different highlights. So, um, you know, be on the, uh, lookout for that, but from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Tyler Tucker. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care and peace out. WJMF Radio.